enjoy. Um, where's she going? Oh, right there, okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know that I talked to you last week about you'd ask if I needed prayer, and, and all of us, of course. Um, and I'd ask for strength for a, a journey that I'm going through. Uh, strength, a difficult but rewarding one. I think I said exact words. And, uh, and that's kind of an introduction to our next song. But uh, I've just re recently been reminded by two friends of the the absolute heart and importance of, of a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. Um, because without it, we're really just kind of just pushing away joy, love, and peace. And then, you know, our lives are miserable. And I know scripture says to give thanks in all things, not for all things. Sometimes we don't want that, but, for, but in all things to give thanks. And uh, having fall, fallen prey myself to some complaining and mumbling and grumbling. Yes, I confess, I do that at times. <laughs> Over little things mostly, not, oh, not so much the big things, but um, uh, bear with me. I had this all in my heart, but you know, now I'm in front of you all and it's a little harder here. Uh, but we can't truly experience this peace and love without and all the beautiful virtues that God wants us to experience for that abundant life he promises. So if one changes nothing, nothing changes. And I know that the word of God, we our minds are changed, our hearts are changed, and the way we think is changed by the word of God, which gives life and abundance. And anyway, for, with that, I just want to say, first say, I want to say thanks, Lisa. You know, she, uh, she helped me dress. She's got it. She's got a knack for uh, fashion. And, she helped me with a scarf and the sweater. So I said, thank you, Lisa. Um, anyway, uh, you know, God is, isn't uh, looking for, how should I say this? <laughs> He's looking for a perfect heart, not perfect performance. Progress, not perfection. And I know that a lot of you are going through some different, very difficult times. I mean, some worse than others, and but we're all together here to, to lift each other up and help each other. And um, I just wanted to say an encouraging word that, um, from Scripture that also says, I was young and now I'm old, but I have never seen forsake the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging bread. And we can stand on that promise of God's word and uh, that leads into our next song, My Journey. And I pray. 
Asking them to turn your mic up so oh, we can hear you. Tech guy. Susan <coughs> is passing around a sh an address sheet. She's got it in her hand. You'll see it come around during the service. Please check, verify that your phone numbers are on there. Your address is correct. I already talked to Jason. He's he's moving, so we need him to update that. But check and make sure everything's right on there. If not, correct it on there, okay? All right. Um, we're having our fellowship meal today. Uh, Brett came up with the Think Spring thing, so we'll fellowship after after uh, we eat. All right, those of you who signed up for the, the Bible study, Intimacy with God, next week we're going to start. So you have an assignment. You're going to start on page 9 of this book and read and there'll be some since we're studying the psalms there'll be some psalms you have to look up so read the psalms and you're going to stop on page 21 we're going to go as far as we can get next next week after church so if, if you do your homework and I know my husband always loved homework <laughs> not <laughs> But if you do your homework, there'll be a, just a much better discussion. So try to, try to get that done. If not, we'll, we'll, God will fill us with the Holy Spirit and we'll get done. But try to do your homework. So, you know, I thought, read to page 21. Oh, that's a lot of reading. But when you start on page 9, not that bad. Um, thank you, uh, Brenda, for sharing this morning about your struggles. 
something that really spoke to me this week. We've been studying, I'm in a, in a Bible study called Bible Study Fellowship, and we've been studying John. It's been interesting because what we've been hearing here has been really coinciding with, with what uh, we've been studying there. Isn't that amazing how God does that? But one of the things that hit me this week was that, um, and we're studying right now where Jesus is, is going to go to the cross, and, that P and when Peter denied him three times, and how, um, you know, Peter kind of gets a bad rap because he's so impulsive. He, you know, he struggles just like all the rest of us do. But um, he, he denied Jesus three times before, and Jesus told him he was going to do that. And he denied him three times while he was, he was going to the cross. And I was struck by how, how God knew what Peter had to go through. He knew that Peter was going to deny him. He knew that Peter needed to do that so he could become the rock that he builds his church on. And he says in there, you're going to be my rock, and I'm going to build my church on you. So I was thinking about Brenda, and I was thinking about Belinda, um, shared some struggles they were having going through. God knows what you need to go through, and he's going to hold your hand the whole time that you go through that. And he knows the person that he wants you to be. He knows who he's, he's transforming you into. So even in those days when it's really hard, you just cling to the hope that God is in control. He knows what I have to do. He has preordained every day of your life has been preordained and destined and written in his book of life. Um, I guess I'll get right into the prayer requests then. Joanne and Russ... Russ is better, what a praise. Thank you, Lord, that you've healed Russ. We're so glad they're back. <laughs> Steve and Pam, Lord, we lift them up to you. Pam is better. Thank you so much, Lord, for your healing. Pam does have some tests this week, Lord. Keep, everybody keep her in your prayers, but Lord, we pray that you're in the midst of those tests and that you hold her hand. All she has to do is reach her hand out and you will grab it, Lord. Linda and Dick have a friend, Kenny Sarf, that has a kidney stone, and he had surgery back in November, Lord. He's still struggling, Lord. I pray that he, this just brings him closer to you so that he can heal, but Lord, that the true healing comes from you, Lord. So we just pray for, for wherever he's at in his faith walk. We also lift up their, their niece, Allison, and the baby she's carrying, Lord. Due July, August, you know the exact date that baby's gonna be born, Lord. And we just pray for a covering for that baby. Tony just asked for healing, just for his health, just to keep him strong and healthy, Lord. We just pray that you keep him close to you, that he seeks you and looks to you, and, and that you just keep him healthy. Jason, our tech guy, Lord, we thank you so much that he's back. And Lord, we, we've had some technical difficulties and we've seen how much we miss him. So thank you, Lord, that he is back. Lord, we lift up his children to you, your children, your children who you created. Lord, <clears throat> he's concerned about some dis parenting decisions his ex-wife is making, Lord. We pray that your hand be in the midst of those and that you can overcome whatever is going on, Lord. We just lift that up to you. Carol and the kids have a praise that Grandpa is better. And it's also spring break week, so we ask them a blessing this week as Carol 
shares with her grandkids. Lord, you have given her such a heart for those kids, and we appreciate that. We ask for Mary, who's in Las Vegas, um, with family. Lord, we pray that you just give a blessing on that family time and bring her back safe to us. Marilyn shared a uh, request about a friend that she has that was laid off from work this week. Her name is Sherry. Lord, you know what she needs. You know how scary that is to be laid off. And, and sh she indicated that her whole, the whole work where she works is just worrying about, are we going to be laid out? What's the future of our company, Lord? But we know that you have every day in control, Lord. And, and if we have to go through some tough times, you will help us through those times. But, Lord, we ask for a covering for this. Laura just asked for covering for her family her kids, their kids. Lord, we just pray that you would just work in their lives, bring them close to you, and um, cover them with your feathers, Lord. Lisa asked for prayers for consistent prayer time. Lord, I love this prayer request because we all need this. We all need to spend that time with you because in reality, you are the only thing that 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 counts, that, that we can work our tails off at work, Lord, but we know that coming to you and standing before you is, is the best reward that we can ever get. Lord, I, I already mentioned that Belinda, Belinda was having struggles in their family, but Lord, I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm just going to lift them up to you and their children, Lord. You know what they need, Lord. We just pray that you would cover them and draw them close to you. Chuck and Felicia, Felicia's not here, so she's traveling, Lord, so we just pray for safety for her traveling. Um, he also asked for a friend whose house was broken into, Lord, how much of a struggle that is and how scary, scary feeling violated that is, Lord. We just pray that you would just be a blessing to this man and just help him feel, com feel at peace and safe in your arms. He also lifts up any cancer survivors, Lord. He's, I know he's had this touch his life, so, Lord, I just pray that you would. would uh, cancer is such a nasty thing, Lord, but we know that you have a plan. Lord, we pray that you just, uh, we ask for a, for a cure for cancer, Lord, but we know that you have everything in control. And Brenda, she shared about her journey, Lord, so I just pray that you would just help her be thankful in all things as we all need to be thankful. It's not always the first word that comes out of our lips. Thank you, Lord. But all, all blessings, all trials come from you, Lord. So we just ask for your covering and just help us remember to turn back to you and thank you. We thank you that Larry's back too, Lord. We pray for blessings on this Bible study that we're going to start next week, Lord. I pray that, that uh, we just grow closer to you as we study your psalms. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. One more thing before I leave. You're not getting rid of me yet. I need Elisha, Eli Isaiah, and Elijah to come up. Did I get the names right? I didn't get them right. <laughs> well, I know they're biblical names, and I just think that's wonderful. What's your name? Elisha. Elisha. What's your name? I'm up here. Isaiah. Isaiah. Elijah. Elijah. All right. Well, we're glad you're up here today. Uh, this had a start. I'm trying to talk into this. Brenda can get that for me, honey. Had a start. This praise jar, and you can see that it's it's a little over half full. Thank you.
that'll work. See, I still do need that brain. He saw me struggling this whole time, and he's thinking, Joyce, just pick up the mic. Just pick up. And I didn't get the message. Anyway, we've had this praise jar going around, and um, we see, you see we've got lots of praises in there. So we wanted to, Larry's idea was to kind of share some of these. So we're going to have each of these beautiful children pick out a card and read it. And if you can't read somebody's writing, it's probably Tony's. <laughs> Tony always gives me a hard time, so I have to give him a hard time. No, it's probably mine. So if you pick one out, honey, and read it, and if you need help, I'll be glad to help you. And you're going to get the mic here. When thinking of considering? Of the concept? And concept of gratitude, one must consider the importance of being ever so grateful for leadership is the ultimate yep. pathway up to peace for without trails it is different difficult mm -hmm. to attain true humility humility it is in our brokenness that god can mold us into the image of his son interesting that we had she pulled out of all these in here she pulled that and we're just talking about trials <laughs> isn't that god is good all right who's next you got one all right i am thankful for my family and for everything you made love alicia blessing of family, God, perfect plan for our lives. God does have a perfect plan, doesn't he? You want to do one more, Alicia? All right. We'll do one more. Having between in 20 years of artificial with every dear friend, a true gentleman, and one of the most patient men I know, who can not, I not be grateful, I, for his putting up with me, I, for his putting up with me, how I can, every compliment, complicated person, complica I'm a very complicated person, I'm a very complicated person, and he has yet to run away screaming. Love it. <laughs> okay, who wrote that? I want to know. Oh. <laughs> do you want to do one more? You find one that... that <laughs> All right. Praise God for Larry obedience. obedience to listen to God's Start friends plus family. Thank you. Yep. Good one. All right. One more. I'm, think I'm thankful for God helping me get through all the bad things, bad, the bad yes. stuff in my Amen. life. Amen. Amen. I love that. So I guess our, our word from God today is we're all going to have trials. 
We're not always going to like those trials, but the Lord is with us. Um, just one last thing about the Bible study. If you haven't paid me and you want to, 725. If not, all right. guys, if you would just all stand up and we'll hear the reading of the scripture. Mr. Russ Carter is here this morning to read for us. So let's hear the word of God. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you. Thank you, young people. Appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, Joyce and the young folks. They did a wonderful job. From Exodus 3, 7 through 14. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites and now behold the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them come I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt but Moses said to God who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children, the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And if you'll say a prayer for us, Russ. Thank you. Yes. Thank you for the scripture. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for this time we can be together. Thank you for your scripture. Thank you for each one that has a part in this service today, and thank you for each one that's here. We pray a blessing to all, and Lord, be with Larry as he reads the scripture to us and prepares a message for us. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Thank you, Russ. Thank you all for being here with us today. I'd like to uh, say a special thank you for the people who carried on while we were um, out and about. Uh, Susan and I went out to California for a, like a five-day uh, workshop. And after, after that, then uh, turned back here and then back to the East Coast for a visit with my daughter and a wonderful uh, time with her and the children. Looking forward to a good time in the future when her uh, new baby will be arriving next month, so we have a lot to be thankful for. It was a refreshing time. It was also good to notice that when people, uh, when I'm gone, people step up and get things done. Thank you for all of you who've been working with the tech loft, and I know there were some problems with uh, machinery and the equipment, and here this morning, uh, several of you were involved in 
troubleshooting the thing and getting it going. All those things matter, and we appreciate everything that you that you do. Let's all uh, take a moment here and just say good morning to somebody close by. If you haven't done that, just uh, take a moment and stand up and just shake your leg. You've been sitting a long, long time this morning, so we want you to stand up just for a moment and uh, do a fist bump. That won't hurt your feelings if you do a fist bump. Okay. If you can't get out of your chair, yeah, well, be thankful that... Uh, that you're able to hear. All right, and you can uh, you can catch up later because we're gonna this morning we're gonna also have the the meal the fellowship meal at the end of each month we have this fellowship meal, so we'll begin with that in a moment. Let's turn our attention now to the scriptures. We uh, be begin this story which is a story from, from the Old Testament, the story of Moses. It all started with an envious group of brothers. These brothers had envy and jealousy for their younger brother. The younger brother's name was Joseph. His father showed him definite preference over the older brothers, and so there was a hatred and a jealousy and a resentment of the, of the brother. So these older brothers decided we're going to get rid of this younger brother. And they said, when he comes out to see us out here in the field, we're going to kill him. That was the plan. And one of the brothers said, well, let's don't kill him. Let's just uh, throw him in a well. So they decided to throw him down in a well. And then the question was, what are we going to tell Dad when we get back? Well, let's tell him that uh, he was attacked by a, by a wild beast and was killed. And We'll uh, take his garment, his coat of many colors, and we'll put blood on it, and we'll show it to Dad, and he'll think that it's true, so therefore, that'll be the explanation. So sorry, but your favored son, Joseph, was killed by a wild beast. Isn't that a shame? So sad. And, of course, the father believed it. Well, leaving him in the well was absolutely a death sentence because he couldn't get out. So... One of the brothers said, as a caravan was going past over to Egypt, they said, he suggested, well, why don't we just sell him to, the, to these people in the caravan, and that way we can at least get some money out of him, and he'll be in Egypt, we'll never see of him or ever hear of him again. It's going to be a great way to solve our problem, and it allows him to live, and we get rid of our privileged brother the one we hate and are so jealous of. And so they do. So Joseph, this young boy that was preferred by his father with all the personal privileges that came with being the favored son, rode on a camel, or maybe he walked all the way down into Egypt and abandoned by his family and abandoned by his brother and certainly abandoned by God, he must have thought. So there he is, sold as a slave in Egypt. He's working there, not getting paid. He's just a servant, a slave. And he was assigned or he was purchased or bought by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was a very wealthy person. He had a lot of power and influence, a lot of money, and he purchased Joseph and put him to work in the house. And one day, 
Potiphar's wife noticed just how cute he was. He was a handsome, strong young man. And she thought, well, I, I really like him. I like him better than I like my husband. So she started flirting with him. And he said, no, no, I, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go there. And so he ran away from her. She grabbed his cloak. And when Potiphar came home, she told a big lie. She said that, in fact, Joseph had tried to rape her and force himself upon her. And, of course, Potiphar believed it, you know. So he had him thrown in prison. Now, you know, it's a tough road to hoe when you're brothers sell you as a slave into a foreign country and you never see your father again and you live in a foreign country it's a different culture a different language a different world certainly you would feel abandoned and then you're there and you're doing the best you can and bad luck befalls you again and injustice befalls you again and you're sent to prison and here you are in the dungeon sometimes you think to yourself what did i do to deserve all this but you know, there's an axiom in this story, and that is, you can't keep a good man down. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, one night, after a long period of time, and I won't, I'll shorten the story a little bit because I could make the, strong, the story even longer, but, but I won't, just for your sake. And after a long period of time, one night the king of Egypt had a, had a vision, he had a dream. And in his dream, he saw seven skinny cows, and he saw seven fat cows coming up out of the river, the Nile. And he called in his magicians and his wise men to explain the dream, what he had had that night. And none of them knew how. None of them knew the answer. As a matter of fact, he didn't even tell them what his dream was. He just said, I had a dream. I want you to tell me what it was and what it means. Well, that's an impossible request to answer. Hey, I had a dream last night. Guess what it was? Uh, you were riding in a pink school bus? No, no, that wasn't it. Somebody said, we know a young man in prison who can interpret dreams. Uh, his name is Joseph. So the king sent for this Joseph to be released from the dungeon and from the prison. And he brought him before him, and now out of the dungeon, out of the prison, here is young Joseph standing before in the court of the king of Egypt. And the king says to him, I want you to tell me what my dream was, and I want you to tell me what the dream means. Well, that would be like the $64,000 question no one could ever answer, however... There was one little caveat that I will mention, and that was that the Lord God was with Joseph. And the Lord was the one who revealed the thoughts of human beings unto Joseph. And Joseph said, well, O king, you dreamed of seven skinny cows coming up out of the Jordan. You dreamed of seven fat cows also. Seven skinny, seven fat. And what this means is there are going to be seven years of plenty. The fat cows are the plentiful years. You're going to have so much grain and so much prosperity. There's going to be so much production in the land. It's going to be a time of great, great bounty. But it's going to be followed 
by seven more years of famine. Seven years when nothing will grow, when people will starve. So what you must do is you must store up grain and food during those seven bountiful years so that in the seven years that follow, the people of Egypt will have a place to go for food. They can come to you and to your storehouse for their sustenance. The king said, that was my dream. He got it right. He somehow knew what I dreamed, and I'm going to take that as a word of wisdom. And so he did. And for seven years, they had so much abundance, it was amazing. And just as Joseph had said through his interpretation, they put the stores of the food away, and they built up the storehouses in preparation for the seven years that would follow in the famine. So... The seven years passed, and then sure enough, seven skinny cows came along. Seven years of famine. And all the while, the people were able to survive because of the wisdom of Joseph given him by God. Now, because of this great feat accomplished through the power of God in Joseph's life, the king of Egypt made Joseph one of his uh, rulers also. And it, and it turned out to be that Joseph was actually second only to the king himself in ruling over Egypt. What a wonderful story this was. And of course, those nasty brothers, the ones that sold him, you know, into slavery in the first place and had him done away with and told the big lie to his dad about having been killed by the beast, they too were suffering from the famine and someone had passed the word along the chain, there's food in Egypt. And so they made their journey to Egypt to try to find food. And these brothers walk in before the very Josephs that they had sold into slavery. And they said, oh, your majesty, not recognizing him, not ever dreaming in their wildest imaginations that it would be him that they would go to seek. And they said, oh, your majesty, we're here, we're hungry, we are so needy. And Joseph recognizes them immediately, but he doesn't reveal his own identity to them. And there's more to the story, but the gist of it is he, he feeds his brothers. He says, go home and bring your father. And the father comes and the family's reunited. And those nasty, jealous brothers were fed and saved and their lives were saved and the people in the family were reunited because of the great power of God. It's a beautiful story. But that's not the story that we're going to talk about this morning, but it is a background on, in how this works. Joseph lived and died and Joseph's brothers lived and died in Egypt. And they stayed in Egypt for 300 years. 300 years. Now, 300 years is a long time. And the time passed, and the years passed, and the centuries passed. And there arose a king in Egypt who did not know Joseph. He didn't have any appreciation for Joseph, what Joseph had done for the former king hundreds of years before. But what he did notice was how prolific the people of Israel had become. 
how prolific they were. They multiplied. And the king began to express concern. You know, if we have a war, we've got to be sure these Israelites are on our side. Because if they join with our enemies, we'll be toast. We've got to start making preparation. We've got to deal with this immigration problem that we have here. This is not going to be good for us. And so what he does, after a long period of consideration, he said, I know what we're going to do. We're going to put them in slavery. We're going to make them our slaves, and they're going to work for us. We're going to abuse them and mistreat them, and we're going to make them slaves. Yes, we are. And any new baby boys who are born of Israel will be drowned in the River Nile immediately. So new baby boys that were to be born were to be drowned as to the king's order. Well, there was a little baby born who was a Hebrew, born of a woman whose name you never have heard of and will never remember even if I tell you what it was because actually I don't remember her name either. <laughs> Look it up. <laughs> yeah, the mother of Moses. No, it's like Noku Kuma or something like that. Uh, it's okay. Uh, here is this young woman. She has her baby. She knows that the king has ordered to have the babies drown a baby boy. So she says, what can I do? She's not about to release her baby to be killed. And so she weaves a basket, and she coats it with tar, and she puts the baby in the River Nile. In the, what, is the, what are those things called? Moses in the bulrushes. You've heard this story. So here's little baby Moses, just born, brand new baby, floating along in the Nile in the bulrushes. And the mother had the wisdom to put the baby in the bulrushes close to where the daughter of the king came daily for bathing and for other cleaning. And the baby's cries attracted the attention of the daughter of Pharaoh. And Moses' older sister goes to her when she finds the baby, and she recognizes that it's not, she's not going to take the baby and turn the baby in to be killed. The daughter seems to be drawn to the baby, and she cares for the baby. So her sister, Moses' sister, comes out and says, Oh, a baby, how cute, how sweet, how wonderful. Would you like someone to be able to help take care of the baby, maybe a midwife that could watch and keep the baby for you? Well, yeah, that would be great, but someone needs to nurse this baby and bring it up. She says, well, I know a lady who could do that. Well, who is the lady? The lady is the mother of the baby, <laughs> Moses. <laughs> so she brings the mother in, and the mother nurses her own baby in the safety and protection of the king's palace. What a wonderful story. And Moses grows up, not as an Israelite, but he grows up as an Egyptian. So all of his life, he is an Egyptian. All of his life, he has lived in royalty. All of his life, he's lived in opulence. And yet he knows who he is. He knows that he came from Israel, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knows this. 
but other people in the country don't know it. The people of Israel continue to be abused. They continue to be slaves. And one day when Moses was a man and strong, he saw uh, an Egyptian soldier beating and whipping one of the Israelite slaves. And it angered and infuriated him so much and such an injustice that he said, I'm going to kill you. And he does. He kills this abuser. And then he realizes, I've got to, I've got to leave. And so he flees for his life because certainly this would be unacceptable to kill one of the Egyptian soldiers in defense of an Israel, Israelite slave? No. So he flees the country. And he goes into a place of wilderness where there is, he's watching sheep or I don't know, he's just out there in no, no man's land. Been out there a long, long time. And one day, he looks across the field and he sees this strange sight. It's a, like a fire, something burning off in the distance. It's, a, it's some kind of a tree, a small shrub, a bush, if you will, and it's on fire. And he approaches it and looks at it and he hears this voice that says, Moses, take off your shoes for the ground that you're walking on is holy ground. It was the voice of God. And God appeared to Moses in this burning bush and he says, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to go back and tell the king, tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. I want you to go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And of course, Moses says, why me? Why me? Who am I, he says in chapter 3 of Exodus, I think verse 13 or so, maybe 12, I don't know, somewhere along in there. He says, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and say to him, let the Israelites go out of Egypt? Who am I? Whenever God asks you to do something, whenever God impresses on your heart to do something really wonderful and something great and something that would be so good for so many others, is your answer to his call, who am I? Why me? Oh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm surprised that I would be asked to do something like this. this I'm just an ordinary person. Why, why me, of all people? Why, why would you ask me to go down and ask and tell Pharaoh to let the people go? I mean, this is big league stuff. I... I'm just an ordinary man. You ever feel this way? When God calls you to do something, something really special and something very good, something that could help a lot of people, and your reaction is, why me? Well, think for a moment. Who is this Moses who's saying, why me? Isn't he the one that grew up in the king's palace? Isn't he the one that knew the language of the Egyptians? Isn't he the one that had every preparation possible to be able to walk into the court of the king and say, let my people go? Well, he's actually very qualified. As a matter of fact, he is the most qualified person in all the world to bring this message. But his instinct 
is the same as your instinct and mine, is it not? Do you follow me here? Do you follow? Why me? We sin, we seem to have a tendency to diminish our own abilities, our own gifts, our own life experience in fear of the fact that, well, I could, I could never do anything like that. And so his next objection comes and he says to God, he says, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of the fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God says, tell them my name is I am. I am? I am who I am. Well, that's a strange answer for us, but it is an answer that God gave. He said, I am the great I am. I am the father, the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's who I am. In other words, the objection is, well, what would I ever say? And finally, that conversation continues, and he continues the thought, which is, well, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe what I say? The people of Israel, what if they don't believe me? And God says, they'll believe you. <laughs> and he gives them some reasons why. He's going to prove that his, that his message is legitimate without getting through all the details. The final objection, and there are a couple of others in here, there are four or five different things that Moses says that sound like people I've met, including a guy named Larry Collins. Whenever God asks us to do something really good to help other people and something great and wonderful, we, we tend to always say, well, I, I could never do a thing like that. Well, that might be something that somebody else could do or achieve, but I'll never be that great. I'll never achieve that kind of thing for God and for the world and for people. It'll always be, anything I ever do is just going to be very small and just bare bones. And the ultimate excuse that Moses gave God was this. He said, why don't you just get somebody else? Do you ever feel this way? God says, there's some wonderful and good and important things that need to be done. And your answer is, why don't you just get somebody else? That, that's very common, isn't it? Think that's ever crossed my mind? Has it ever crossed your mind? Someone ask you to do something for the Lord's sake? Somebody ask you to serve in some capacity in ministry? And what is your answer? Well, well why don't you get somebody else? I could never do a thing like that. I, I wouldn't be any good at it. This is human reaction to callings by God. But God says, his answer is, <laughs> I will be with you. That's the answer. I will be with you. And it really isn't about you. It's just that I need you to help me. And one of the things we've done in friends and family is we've always said this. It's not that God is helping us. It's that we are helping God. And in this case, Moses is actually helping God as God helps him. Obviously, it goes both ways. And so Moses goes. 
He walks in. He says to Pharaoh, the Lord God says, let my people go. And after 10 plagues, he does. He does. And the people walk out through a miraculous deliverance called the Red Sea, where the waters parted and the impossible happened and the people were set free. This is the word of God to us today. When we ask the question, why me? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week I was in Leesburg, Virginia on Sunday morning right about this time and there was a church there. They have two worship services and there were probably a thousand people in each worship service. And I'm walking in, I, I asked this guy, I said, why are all these people out here? And he goes, I don't know. I guess they got a good youth program, they have a great choir and the preacher's kind of pretty dynamic, and I thought, okay. But I said, well, but what, what is the reason that people come? All that could be true, and people still wouldn't come. And he goes, I don't really know. I thought, well, maybe I'll figure it out when I go in and sit through the service. And I discovered that what they did there was essentially what we do here. And that is they sang a few songs. The preacher got up and read a story from the Bible and made a couple of applications to real life. And they sang another song and they went home. All 2,000 of them. And I talked to Cynthia about this later and I said, why in the world would so many people come? She goes, well, out here, it's kind of different because you know, everybody is on these highways and nobody gives a about anybody else out here. And f to go somewhere where people, you know, seem to be talking about real life issues, about struggles and problems and somebody who cares for you and loves you and your family, it's kind of rare, kind of unusual. I thought, well, that's probably true. One of the songs they sang, which I really liked, was this one right here, called The Great I Am. And I'd like for you guys to learn it. Sing it with me, okay? And we're going to have Holy Communion in a moment.
are right here on the table, the bread, the juice. If you take those and carry them back to your seat and just stand there and wait until all have been served. Bread, if you would go and help those up in the tech loft with their elements, we'll wait for them to be involved also. So just sing the song with me, okay? close, close to your side, so heaven is real, death is a lie, I want to hear voices of angels above, singing as one.
body of Christ broken for you. Receive this with thanksgiving. The blood of Christ shed for you. Receive it with thanksgiving. Please stay and uh, join us for the meal. Thank you very much. Here is a song that's kind of a <coughs> upbeat sing, sing, sing song. I thought sing, sing was a prison, but maybe I was <laughs> mistaken. I don't know. <laughs> to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you and give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen. And if there's, before we get started, um, if we could just have a quick gathering together of people that are interested in Easter program to come up for something fairly quick now. Is that okay? Uh, we'll probably do that after. You want to do that afterwards? After the meal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do that at the conclusion, well, toward the end of the meal. Let's go ahead and get that okay. going. Thanks, Thanks everybody. Good. Yeah, we'd like to have the people who are going to sing in the Susan's Singers and the people who are going to be participating uh, to come and join us here. We're going to do a little rehearsal later on. Okay, thanks. Over you and we got far. 